podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. And welcome to Macklin's Take, everybody. This is the morning after the night before. We're in the dining room of the Crown Plaza Hotel on West 36th Street, just off 8th Avenue, just around the corner from Madison Square Garden, where last night myself... I'm Matt Macklin and Boxing News Editor Matt Christie, who's been kind enough to join us after about 15 minutes sleep, has, has come down. And what a night. What a night. It was absolutely unbelievable. Andy Ruiz, who came in at six weeks' notice. Andy Ruiz, who doesn't look like an athlete. Andy Ruiz, who looked like he was just happy to be here all week, turned in the performance of his life to take those three heavyweight title belts from Anthony Joshua. When he was put down in the third round with that left hook by Joshua, we thought the writing was on the wall. We thought we knew what was coming next and how wrong were we. It was not what we thought was going to happen, but the drama was absolutely astonishing. And Matt Macklin, it's it's the shock of the century so far and it was an absolute privilege and an honour to be there. You said the word there, drama. I mean, what a dramatic night from start to finish. Josh Kelly, who's, you know, Alan Booth's been telling us the best prospect he's ever worked with, but the most talented guy he's ever worked with. And, you know, he he gets a draw against a guy that he was definitely expected to be. It was a step up in class, and he's not a bad fighter at all, Ray Robinson. Uh, And and Josh Kelly can learn and come back, but nonetheless, it was certainly uh, an upset. No one, I'm pretty sure none of us predicted it we knew it might be competitive but we thought he'd get the job done you know then you've got Katie Taylor lucky to get the decision in probably the best I, I, I haven't seen every woman's fight ever in the history but that's the best woman's fight I've ever seen by a by a by a mile I mean the last minute of the last round was as good a last minute as I've seen in any fight too both women just standing there trading blow for blow unbelievable fight and then we get the decision that Taylor gets it and I think pretty much everyone in the arena thought that pursuit was very, very hard to work. Definitely at least not to get a draw or something out of it. But, you know, I had a losing one too. Some people had it a draw. Some people had a losing one more. It was, look, it was a close, hard fight. But, you know, she, I think she was very unlucky not to, to come away with at least a draw. Um, you know, and then, you know, the the, uh, the Joshua fight, that's, I don't know, save the best or save the worst. The last, it was just unbelievable in terms of drama. He could, he come out, a bit of a slow first round, but I wasn't really surprised by that. I thought he might come out and have a look. Uh, but when he went down in the third, Ruiz, I remember specifically thinking, ooh, he's gone down heavy there. It was a big right uppercut left hook. But then I could see his eyes were okay. He didn't. He wasn't out of it. He got up. His legs were solid. You know, that wasn't the same when Joshua got hit with the left hook. His legs were all over the place. And to be honest, I don't think he ever really fully recovered from it. And Matt, of course, as editor of, of Boxing News, you boys are great at calling it down the line and, and treating everybody completely impartially and completely fairly, but there's no point pretending that for either Boxing News or for Sky Sports or for all British outlets that the fortunes of Anthony Joshua aren't important. He was a unified heavyweight champion of the world, and this morning he wakes up not as the unified heavyweight champion of the world. I mean, it must have been mayhem for you last, last night when those knockdowns were, were happening and, and, and he lost the fight, and then after the fight, there was a press conference and then there wasn't and then there was again. Me and Macklin had run off to the hotel bar by this point, but you're a proper journalist, so you stuck around in the bowels of the Madison Square Garden to, to, to track everybody down and, and see what had happened. What, what transpired? What, what was said afterwards? I mean, it, it's hard to describe what it's like 
to be ringside for a fight like that and then the aftermath and to witness the aftermath and how draining it is and you know it's the best job in the world don't get me wrong but goodness me your emotions and, and everything you witness is is, is completely completely gruelling but I mean in answer to your question Anthony Joshua uh, we were told that he was not going to come out Ruiz came and did uh, his victory parade which was all very heartwarming you know saying he was going to give you know that the, the life was going to change for his family uh, and everything else and then we were told Anthony Joshua was not coming and as we all left the venue the majority of the media had left the venue we then got a phone call saying no actually Anthony wants to talk to the media and he was surprisingly upbeat uh, he assured everybody that the defeat had sank in. He assured everybody he wanted the rematch. But I think in the cold light of day today, when he looks at the replays and he looks at those photographs of Andy Ruiz standing over him, that is going to be exceptionally difficult to come back from. And we look at some of the biggest uh, upsets in history. You look at Lennox Lewis, Hassim Rackman, which is arguably the most recent. And that was one lucky shot well, you could argue it was one lucky shot. This wasn't. This was a beatdown that truly exposed a lot of Anthony Joshua. Uh, he didn't want to go on at the end. He did not want to continue. And that, to me, was one of the most surprising things, the way that the fight finished. But the whole thing was an absolute shock. And you look at social media this morning, and there's a lot of people saying, well, I kind of saw that coming. Well, no, you didn't. No, you didn't see it coming. And if you look back, and like all the best surprises in the world... There were clues. There were clues. But what those clues were telling us was so preposterous that, Ant- that, that Andy, Andy Ruiz could beat Anthony Joshua. We chose to ignore them. Well, what was interesting was, as you say, that the, the finish to the fight, I thought it was a good bit of refereeing by Mike Griffin because a lot of referees would have let that go on. They would have known that Joshua was the A-side. We always keep talking about A-sides and that he was the promoter's fighter and this wasn't supposed to happen but he had a good look at him he didn't walk towards him he'd spat out the gum shield and he just stepped in and he stopped the fight I mean what did you make of the of the circumstances of it Matt of, of the manner of the defeat well I think the body language from Joshua didn't tell the ref I want to go, go on you know he, uh, he certainly gave him the opportunity uh, I don't think he recovered from that first knockdown not properly in the third I know he got back into it in the fourth and he landed shots but he was still he looked he looked really vulnerable any time Ruiz opened up after that. Uh, like I say, there was a big difference. Ruiz went down heavy. It was a solid shot. But it, it, he was copious, man. You know what I mean? His eyes were clear. He knew where he was. He got straight up. His legs looked solid. That wasn't the same as Joshua. Joshua's legs were completely all over the place. He almost got bundled to the floor because he didn't have the stability. His legs underneath him. And not only at that point you could see the whole confidence and belief just drain from Joshua I think he looked vulnerable every single time that Ruiz stepped forward and let his hands go uh, you know and, and even in, in between we could you know we're here seeing it on the monitors in the corners he's looking at Josh, uh, Robert McCracken saying oh, what, what's he going to do what's he going to do what's he going to do almost like you know tell me what Ruiz is going to come out and like you know this is a world champion fighter that should be well able to he's going to come out and try and knock you out he's going to throw both hands you're going to have to talk up grab hold move get your jab whatever whatever he, he felt he needed to do but you know he looked he looked very panicked in there for someone that's a, a unified world champion the the uh he looked very inexperienced very panicked didn't know what to do and it was quite alarming really and do you know what I mean there's the, the, a lot of the analysis has been what was wrong with Anthony Joshua um, but but Joshua himself said last night there was nothing wrong with his training camp. Eddie Hearn verified that, that, that Joshua looked great in training. And do you know what? 
what I honestly believe, or what, something we should should consider, is that when Anthony Joshua was talking about Andy Ruiz in Sheffield before he travelled out, he was very, very respectful. He'd obviously seen him, he'd seen videos of him, he could see he could fight. And then on Monday night when he saw him for the first time, I think all respect and fear went out the window. He's kind of... He's faced with this guy who looks absolutely nothing. That's the like. word, Matt. Fear. He had no fear. And it, as a fighter, you need fear. you need an element yeah. of fear to, to yeah. make you perform, to make your reflexes sharp, your reactions sharp, to give you that that edge. He didn't have any fear. It, you know, you've got to have that. And he may have had it when he's sitting watching videos and he's looked at his record and he's thinking. But like you said, when he come together, he's just seen a big chubby kid with a baby face who's smiling, who looks happy to yeah. be here, yeah. and like whatever bit of. He just dropped whatever bit of whatever little bit of fear he had, and I don't think there was a lot. But whatever bit, he, did, he just completely left him, and he thought, "This is a, you know, I'm gonna." As soon as I hit this guy, it, I think then it became not about winning, but about looking good, about making a statement, yeah. about trying to do to um, what Wilder did to Brazil. You know, instead of thinking, just get, you know, this is a world class fight that's never been stopped. He's lost one debatable decision against Joseph Parker, yeah. but you know that 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 all went out the window. Yeah, and I think I, th- I think he believed that the outcome was a foregone conclusion, and you could see that in in, in the build-up. And I think you, pe- people are talking As about it now. As did most people. Yeah. Well, yeah. well, completely, completely. There was no way. I'm not going to sit here now and, th- and say for one second that I thought Anthony Ru- Andy Ruiz was going to win that fight. I didn't. I knew he could fight because I'd seen him. But even a part of me, when I saw him in the flesh for the first time on Monday, I remember when he walked into where we were doing the interviews, and I thought he looks like Andy Ruiz, but he can't be. He's too short. He's advertised as six foot two, but he doesn't look six foot two. He he just he's he's so far away from the archetypal image of the world heavyweight champion. It it is it is absolutely ridiculous. Hey everybody, sitting here with a famous Slovenian philosopher. How are you doing, sir? I am uh, in hell, thank you. Are you uh, excited about something? I am excited about this latest uh, CIA-funded venture. A CIA venture? Yes. It's called The Desire and Capital Podcast. Oh, what is it about? I refuse your fascist question. Well, there you have it. Listen to The Desire and Capital Podcast, coming soon to a bourgeois platform near you. On your marks, get set, go! Do you think, though, that there will be a temptation to not write this off exactly, but for people to look at that? And I understand and accept exactly what you just said about the fear factor. It was definitely a thing. And once that gets into your head, then it's very difficult to reverse it, particularly if things start to go against you in the fight. But it is... It's important, is it not, that this is not just put down as a bad day at the office? No, I think what, what, what there's two things here. Firstly, you know, the... the there definitely was no fear factor, and that was the single most important factor that contributed, in my opinion, to what happened last night. There's a few other things. Andrew is, is a lot better than people thought, but they, I think he also exposed some weaknesses there in Joshua. You know, he uh, he is upright. He can be hurt. Dillian White buzzed him. Uh, you know, Klitschko had him out on his feet. Probably should have finished him, but didn't have it. Yeah. Probably left in the tank at that stage. You know, there's, there's um, you know, he... he, he Surviving the moment, he, he, he struggled. You know, Frank Bruno years ago. Once he got hurt, he, he just went to bits. He, he didn't know how to smother, grab hold, survive the moment. And he was it got a bit better in the Oliver McCall fight. But it was, it was at times it was almost reminiscent to Frank Bruno when Joshua was grabbing Ruiz. He was almost, it wasn't like he was kind of holding him and surviving. It was like he was clinging for dear life. 
and it was a bit, you know, it, look, he can definitely come back, but it's going to it's going to take a bit of let me tell you, uh, soul searching because the bigger you are, the harder you fall, and that was a catastrophic loss. It, like, you know, he's going to get hammered in the media. You know, it, it's not now. You got your family, your friends, your team around you saying, listen. We'll be back. It's a bad night. And, and that's true. And Lennox Lewis done it twice. Hassan Rackman, Oliver McCall. But the days and the weeks that follow are tough. You know, and, and, and it's it's not a... I think he will come back. But, but it's not an absolute given that he does. You know, Naz never really bounced back after the Pereira defeat. No, I don't, th- I don't, th- I don't think it's remotely a given that Anthony Joshua will come back from that. I think we, we, we've already spoke about how devastating it was on so many levels. Um, and you kind of wonder if, if, if Anthony Joshua is kind of taking him out taking himself out of that mindset that he had a few years ago I think even when he was Olympic champion and he's, he, he, he would never he will never have felt the way he felt last night going into a fight even as he was making his way through the, his professional journey there was that there was that respect for the opponent that, that, that it could go wrong and Andy and let, let's give Andy Ruiz some credit here as well for what he was doing in there and he was telling us all along what he was going to do he was going to go to the body he was going to get in close he wasn't going to allow Joshua to, to, to extend his arms and get full power behind his shots and that's exactly what he did he did not let Joshua breathed and even when he did Joshua wasn't doing anything even in those rounds where it seemed like Joshua and all of a sudden we, the crowd went silent by the way in, in, in round three when it looked like Joshua was going to lose rounds, rounds four, five and six we started to hear Anthony Joshua being, being shouted out from the crowd again and even then Joshua was it, it just seemed he was so so exhausted but I think going back to the, going back to the type of you know, people, people we can compare it to I think the only upset where, of, of this nature where someone has come back would be something along the lines of what, what Vladimir Klitschko experienced against Lamont Brewster. Uh, that was a very, very sloppy defeat. I think Oliver McCall was quite catchy. Again, but they're just one punch. Yeah, they're true, kind of one punch true. finishes, aren't yeah, they? Whereas, yeah, yeah. whereas Klitschko was all over the place and looked horrendous when he lost to Lehman Brewster, which was his second defeat. And it was a long road back for him. I remember the fight after that, or his big, big fight after that. He went in against Samuel Peter, and he was looking horrendous. And it was... It took him a few years before he had that self-belief again. And the level of rebuilding that Anthony Joshua has got to do from where he was just this time yesterday, not only regarded as the number one heavyweight in the world, but as a superstar who had transcended his trade, all that has gone. That image has gone. And now it is a major rebuilding job to get it back. Well, there's nothing like boxing for that is the people describe it as snakes and ladders. One minute you're right up at the top and then one defeat and all of a sudden you slip down so many levels. In terms of the politics of it, in terms of the contractual situation, as you understand it, Matt, what does happen now? Because Eddie Hearn was quite bullish last night, as I understand, saying that there will be an immediate rematch and it will be in England and it will be later this year. Whispers I've heard from Ruiz's camp are different. That their understanding is that they have control over where the fight will be, and they want to take it to Mexico City. So, what do you know? Yeah, I mean, interestingly, there was absolutely no commitment from Team Ruiz last night. They were even going to take the rematch. I think they're going to have to. I think they are going to have to. I think the interesting thing with with kind of the balance of power now is is who is who Andy Ruiz is signed with, and that's Al Heyman. And and we could be in a situation here where where, where Al Heyman has control of the heavyweight division. And who would have thought that? I mean. It's not beyond the realm of possibility in, in the world of boxing now that Andy Ruiz might actually say, don't, I don't want the rematch. And, and, and they go a different way. I, th- I don't think that's what's going to happen. I think that the rematch will occur. Eddie Hearn is saying it definitely will. They'll want it back in the UK. And Anthony Joshua, 2 o'clock this morning, was saying he doesn't care where it is. He just wants it in a boxing ring. And he wants to get it back. I, I would be shocked 
if Eddie doesn't have a solid rematch clause in there, you know, you're given a voluntary defence of the world title. I, I would be shocked if there yeah, wasn't a voluntary, re, uh, if there wasn't a rematch clause, a solid rematch clause in there. I, what what are the conditions of that rematch clause in terms of money, where the fight is? Who knows? But I would imagine there's definitely a rematch clause. But listen, here's another thing: what if what if they can't agree terms for the rematch, and Andy Ruiz or Al Heyman advises Andy Ruiz? Oh, do you know what? Vacate those titles. I'll give you a shot at Deontay Wilder for this yeah, much money. Yeah. You know, that, that still shatters AJ's rebuild to a degree because he really, to get back where he was, he needs not only to, to win a rematch straight away, but, but to do it in, in pretty good fashion. You know what I mean? So, you know, I'm not saying he has to knock him out because I think Ruiz is a good fighter. Maybe Ruiz isn't going to get knocked out, but he's certainly going to come back and beat Ruiz uh, convincingly. So, you know, if, if, if Ruiz was... You know, to, to, to vacate and go straight into a Wilder fight or, or another fight and then Wilder for a guaranteed X amount of money. Which, let's face it, when these when, when you're playing on a level like this, there's a lot of politics and, and games going on and people want control and power. Then that's not totally out of the question. I mean, I, I don't think that will happen, but I don't think it's totally out of the question. No, and also we've got to consider the situation with the sanctioning bodies as well in that we've seen it in the past before when there's been an upset of this magnitude that, 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 the, that a unified title can quickly fracture. Uh, sanctioning bodies need mandatories to be fulfilled and, and, and everything else. And there was an assurance last night from Eddie Hearn that, that, that the IBF will not come in and make a mess of things and demand that Ruiz fights Kubrat Pulev. Uh, for example, in fact, he said that the WBO would be the first sanctioning body who needed uh, the mandatory commitment sorted out. But it could all get quite messy very very quickly it could get messy it could get messy but one thing we do know it could get messy and let me tell you Shelley Finkel Al Heyman everyone will be thinking how do I get a grip of this now how do I how do I mess how do I make it messy they'll be trying to make it messy I don't know the the, the days and weeks that and months that are going to come now are going to be interesting but look we think that Joshua's going to get the rematch we know Eddie's got the uh, rematch clause so you know for now without letting our imaginations run wild and putting 2-2 together and get 170 we think he's going to have the rematch and, and look he, he uh, you know he has to get his confidence back he has to sit down and think about everything think about his camp think about what he, he went wrong how, how was his mental approach and he has to address it doesn't he and, 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 and get back to where he was well the reaction from other heavyweights has been interesting Deontay Wilder wasn't slow to voice his opinion which is that Joshua was never a true champion. He stuck the boot in pretty swiftly. Tyson Fury didn't. Tyson Fury very much did the opposite. He said, basically, this happens in heavyweight boxing. You've turned your life around through boxing. Rest up, and you can come back from this. And I like that. I've been critical of Fury in the past for things that he said. But on this occasion, I think that was that was very kind of Yeah, welcome. I've seen that, and I thought that was gracious of him and... Uh and, and, and I think a lot of people I think fair play to Tyson Fury for that you know it's easy kick someone when they're down but you know what's, you're not a better man for doing that I think Tyson Fury is the bigger man for be, being gracious and, and, and I, think, I suppose words of support there really you know and listen the reality is you need rivals you need dance partners in the sport Joe Calzaghe suffered for years because he didn't have a Ben Eubank Michael Watson Steve Collins you know were they all bent you know Hagler Hearns Leonard you need you need competitors. You need dance partners. You need rivals. So, yeah, you, things get said, and you know, boxers can be sensitive souls, and we can take it very personal. But ultimately, you need each other. So, you know, it's not. I, I think that's nice of Tyson Fury to have said that. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I think you know a lot has been said in the build up to to, to what Deontay, Deontay Wilder was doing this week in that 
he announced not not one fight in Anthony Joshua fight week, but two. And whether or not that was designed to steal the limelight, whether or not it was designed to get in Anthony Joshua's head, Anthony Joshua would have been well aware of that. And 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 whether it played whether it played a part, we don't know. But what what I also what I found interesting about the build up this week on the same day that Anthony Joshua made a, made an effort to give Andy Ruiz all his all his belts. Was there was a there was a media huddle behind the scenes of that press conference where people were asking Anthony Joshua various questions, and I counted there was about twenty questions asked. I saw your I tweet. There was there was one which you could vaguely relate to the to, to the Ruiz fight. Nobody thought this was going to happen. And in Anthony Joshua's mind, if he's constantly being asked about someone he's not fighting, that doesn't help. That doesn't help the focus at all. I don't care who you are. That even no matter how much you're trying to keep yourself on track, how much you're trying to stay focused on the job at hand, something like that is just subconsciously going to make you drift. You're going to take your eye off the ball. You're human. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and some, 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 something else I'll add as well. So we sat down with Eddie Hearn on Monday night, and at that point, Wilder hadn't announced anything. He hadn't he hadn't got any concrete plans for Ortiz or or Fury or anything. And, and, and Eddie Hearn was kind of talking about that he still hoped that, that he could sit down with Wilder around a table and, 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 and everything else um, but, he, but what he also mentioned which I thought was interesting is we've got to be careful here how greedy do we want to be here this Wilder Joshua was supposed to happen last September since then Wilder went life and death with Tyson Fury Anthony Joshua had a real struggle and let's not forget that against Alexander Povetkin in the first few rounds and Eddie Hearn's words along the lines Eddie Hearn's words were along the lines of we can't be too greedy. The longer that these two are not fighting each other, the more chance someone's going to get someone's going to get knocked out. Don't believe for one second that Eddie thought that it would be his fighter in a few days' time. But that's what's happened, and it is. A sh- you, could, you could say now it's a shame that we didn't get to see Joshua Wilder when they were both unbeaten heavyweights, because it would have been an incredible atmosphere, an incredible occasion. That has now gone forever. One thing that can happen sometimes when a fighter suffers their first defeat, particularly. A high-profile one is that changes can get made. They're very tight, Anthony Joshua and Rob McCracken. I don't expect that to happen, but there could be some other alterations possibly behind the scenes. Paulie Malinati on commentary last night was quite critical of Rob McCracken, saying that he felt the advice that he was giving Joshua in the corner when when the bullets were flying was a bit basic. What did you make of it? Um, yeah, mate. I think I think what Robert was trying to do though was trying to get him to. Go- Back to basics to keep it basic to keep it long. I think you know. I think you know when Ruiz, when Joshua hurt Ruiz, uh, Ruiz when he dropped him. Sorry, with the uppercut left hook, he went down. He he got he, he steamed in trying to throw on load both hands and got clipped with a shot that he didn't see coming because he was too focused on what he was going to land. So I think you know he was in punching range. He got clipped with the left hook. So I think jo- what Rob McCracken was trying to do was trying to get him back, keeping it behind the jab, straight right hand, keep it long, keep him at range. Um, you know they've been together. It's easy pointing the finger and give it the trainer. Do you know what I mean? Fighters, you know, want, want, everyone wants to blame someone. You know, uh, I don't think I don't think it, you can't blame Robert McCracken. He got clipped with a shot. He, he went in. He exchanged with a guy who had better timing than him, faster hands. He got clipped and he never recovered. I don't think it was the, the uh, Robert McCracken. No, I don't, I don't put the blame there. And I, but, but listen, Matt, you're right. People are gonna start pointing fingers. People want answers. People can't think. Well, this happened because of. You know, people are searching for answers and they're plucking them out of the sky if they have to, but they're going to find something to blame it on. Do you think there could be any kind of overhaul by Joshua in, in the way that he does things, the way that he goes about things? I mean, it is very common, isn't it, when somebody loses for the first time and 
he's a sensible guy. Maybe he'll think that's absolutely what I don't need to do. I don't want to provide that kind of knee-jerk response. But he's going to have some long days and, and, and long, hard nights of the soul ahead of him in the next few weeks. And he will think on this. He won't think about anything else. And you just never know. Yeah, I mean, he did say last night that there's absolutely no way he was going to change his team. He didn't blame anybody for anything. The only the only person he blamed was himself for it. But I think I think it is interesting. There's a picture that was on Instagram, which has kind of done the rounds since his, his Joshua with his team, and there's about 30 people there. Uh, and you kind of wonder why do you need 30 people? Um, and it's and also you, you kind of wonder if Anthony Joshua has kind of almost taken himself out of the boxing world in a way, and and into this whole world of of, of a superstar. Um, you know, without wishing to be disrespectful to Anthony or anything, it's always very difficult to, to, to get to get him to talk to him before fights. We, it, he's he's not he's not involved in the boxing world like he used to be. His team have taken him away from that. They've shown him this whole new world of superstardom. They've put contracts in front of him, which no doubt has made him millions and million pounds for all these endorsements. And good on him. Wish I could do it. But you do wonder if perhaps he needs to take a step back into the boxing world that made him so very special in the first place. Hey everybody, this is Moto G Pete from the Noko Moto Motorcycle Podcast. Join us every week while we rate, review, ride, philosophize, and generally obsess over every single motorcycle make, model, and style that could possibly exist, plus news and racing. That's the Noko Moto Motorcycle Podcast from Moto One Podcast Network Studios. Well, we'll chat Joshua some more in uh, in a few minutes. Carl Frotz will come over and join us in a little while. He's just uh, getting some breakfast down him after a late night sojourn to the Irish bar next door. I left him in the bar here at about three o'clock in the morning. He's not a big drinker though, Frotch, So you know he looks he looks fairly fresh this morning. Let's talk about Katie Taylor. We touched on it earlier at the top mat, and it was a very very hard fight for her. I was scoring it for Sky, and I had it a draw. Most people had Pursuit winning. And I certainly wouldn't have complained if Pasuna got the win. It was one of those strange fights where I have it a draw, so obviously I think it's very close. I couldn't see a way in which you could give Taylor the win, which is what two of the judges did. But one thing I did think that maybe happened is that Pasuna did a lot better than people thought she would. She was very aggressive. Paulie at one point described her as described her as all effort and nothing else. That was quite early in the fight, and I think he would have revised that. Um, as the fight went on but because she made it so uncomfortable for Taylor and she looked like she's never looked before I think there was a temptation there for people to just get a bit too distracted by that and not really look carefully enough at what actually landed you know I had Pursuit winning by two rounds Um, it was a close fight but you know I had a winning by two rounds um, and it was a very very tough hard fight the type of fight that Pursuit wanted. Straight away, she come out like a ball and dragged Katie Taylor into a dogfight. She, she wasn't always pretty to watch. She was ungainly. She was, I don't think, I wouldn't say she was switching southpaw. She was falling southpaw, but going, fighting from the southpaw stance. And she just steamed all over. Katie ran, ran over at times, you know. Katie backed up into straight lines a little bit. Too. I mean, there's, there's a million things for Katie to look at where she can improve. You know, backing up in straight lines, uh, not rolling out either side. She was getting caught um, landing a shot standing there getting countered um, but you don't want to take nothing away from Pursuit she fought an unbelievable fight she was like a you know a woman possessed she was not going to be denied type thing and uh, it it was close fight I, I, 
you know, some people, oh, a robbery. I don't know, was it a robbery? I, th- I think she was very unlucky not to come away with at least the draw. It was a, it was a close fight. Um, but I think the overwhelming majority of people had pursued winning. Um, but listen, I, I, I don't want to go on about the decision too much. I, I'd rather just say about what a fight it was. I mean, the last minute of the last round, which had been an epic battle where the two girls just standing there, both hands going, trading <laughs> blow for blow, toe to toe, with the whole of Madison Square Garden on their feet, was something I'll never forget. It was unbelievable. Yeah, it was, it was an amazing fight. I mean, I was, I was writing the live online report for Boxing News, and when I'm doing something like that, I don't like to sit here and, and, and give a score because your concentration can't be 100% on, on what you're seeing. But what I did notice as I was writing it was everything that I was writing seemed to be that Pursum was having success uh, and, and Taylor was struggling. But what, what, the thing that kind of struck me was just how unorthodox Pursum was. I was watching her feet, and she's absolutely all over the place, going square on and everything so like awkward. that. And, and yeah, and for, 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 for a fighter as well-trained and well-schooled as Taylor, that's just... I mean, you'll know better than me, Matt, but that must be like your worst nightmare. You've got no idea what's going to come next. And she just couldn't cope, and those straight shots going straight through the middle. Katie Taylor didn't know what to do with them. Didn't know what she was going to do next. But, I mean, going back to the, to, to, to the level of entertainment, and ever, it was astonishingly entertaining. It, but, wow, it was, was gruelling just to watch it. Oh, oh, yeah, uh, gruelling, that's the word. And, and you could see, Kate, at the end, it was, last couple of rounds, I don't even think that Katie's superior technical ability, experience, skill was even matter because they, they were both just too fatigued for skill or technique to stand for anything. It was about grit, desire, yeah. determination, of, of which Katie Taylor has plenty. But yeah. presumed, you know, she, she, she was... She was ready for that fight. That was the fight she wanted. She made it about that, and it, it was a, a hell of a fight. But and, and Matt, Matt perfect said it perfect there. It, when you're when you a very technically uh, sound, skillful fighter like Katie Taylor, boxed at a, such a consistently high level, someone like Persoon is what a nightmare because she's so driven, so determined. So ungainly, so awkward. Punches coming from all mad angles. You know what I mean? Horrible yeah. to fight, but you know, I mean, what, what an epic battle! It was just—it was unbelievable. I'd love to see her get the rematch. I saw her leave the arena at the end, and the swelling over her eye just slipped down over her eye. She was she was banged up, and her team were around her. And what was amazing about it too was that she weighed in just over super featherweight, and she's done that for her last two fights. And when I saw that. I was convinced by her during the week. I thought, she's not going to be intimidated. She just gave me that kind of vibe. But then when you look at the fact that she seems to have been working her way down to super featherweight over the last four or five months, it did kind of make you feel like she was preparing for life after Katie Taylor and that maybe she wasn't expecting to win this fight. She was going to drop down the weight. Imagine how much stronger she would have been if she'd filled out into lightweight, which is what she's been her whole career before that but as you say it was it was just a phenomenal fight and possibly a bit of a, a watershed moment for women's boxing because the criticism people have had is that the strength in depth isn't really there and that the likes of Caressa Shields and Katie Taylor are just too dominant Caressa Shields was, was ringside last night and I bet she was looking on and the fighter in her would have looked at that and just thought I would love a fight like this an epic scrap in the balance seesawing crowd going wild Oh, I'd say so. Clusa Shields. I remember seeing her debut, and she—it was a, 
it was a four-round ding-dong. She just come out and went to war from the first battle. I was thinking, what? This was like right at the start of the Kovalev Ward fight, the first one, I think it was. And it was just like, I remember thinking, God, she's going to be some fun watching her. So I've no doubt that Clifton Shields would love to be involved in a dust-up like that, in an atmosphere like that. But look, he, he, I know, and I know facial damage, I know better than anyone that facial damage doesn't tell the story of a fight, but Pursuit was pretty busted up. In after that fight, like pr- badly busted up, so you know, Katie Taylor was still landing plenty. You know, Brian Peters very well. Would he be interested in, interested in giving Persuna another shot, or would you just think they'll just move on now, try and try and move on from that and make these fights with Breckus? They're talking about Breckus at 141 pounds because that would put her welterweight titles on the line. They've been talking about Amanda Serrano. Boxing fans, I think, would love to see Pursuit get another chance, but boxing fans don't decide what happens. No, I think Brian will be, will, when he's being, you know, he's smart, Brian, and he'll think, you know what, don't need that fight again. It's a tough, hard fight. She's always going to be wrong for Katie style-wise. She's awkward. She's very, very determined. You know, Katie didn't, hasn't got the power to stop her in her tracks. You know, yeah, she's got the movement, but, you know, 10 rounds is a long time. And Pursuit was actually really good at cutting off the ring and yeah. getting to her. You know, surprisingly really good at it. So I would say Brian's going to think, look, Brad, I, I think he'll know that probably morally she deserves a rematch. And But I think he'll probably think, look, let's let's go up. Let's fight Bracas, Let's fight Amanda Serrano. And, uh, and, you know, all going well with those two fights then we'll come back and, come back and fight Pursuit. I'll, I think he'll be reluctant to go straight into a rematch. It was a very grueling battle. That'll have took a lot out of both girls, but certainly, you know, Katie as well. Brian's obviously going to be thinking about Katie, and he's going to think, I don't know. I, I think he'll, he'll look to do Serrano, then Brackhouse, and then maybe do a rematch with Pursuit. Well, it's not a boxing manager's job to be some kind of moral arbiter, is it? That's, that's one thing we, we do know. Josh Kelly... Big night for him against Ray Robinson. It was always going to be a difficult fight because Ray Robinson is a good fighter, an experienced fighter, has had good recent results. I was talking to Steve Farad after after boxing when it finished last night and we were talking to him for, for a podcast we recorded during the week and he's a very shrewd judge and he said he thought that Kelly nicked it. He said he thought that Kelly won the fight and he said, but when you come to a country where nobody knows you and you fight in that kind of style and the way he put it was and I don't think you'll mind me saying this he said I was looking at Kelly just thinking yeah come on less fucking around yeah well and he's right really I mean I, I had it 96-94 Kelly but I remember I think it was the 8th round I went for Kelly which I mean it was, I could have tossed a coin you know I could have given it to Robinson if I had that's a draw so like I said on my card I had Kelly winning at 96 94, six rounds to four, but it was close fight. You know, first four rounds, I, I gave him. I thought he started well. He was sharp. His reflexes were good. Again, not weren't winning the rounds massively. You still, Robinson was still coming forward, letting his hands go. But at that stage, while while he was fresh and sharp, he's um, he was making Robinson miss a lot, and he was and he was still and, he, and his own counters were more accurate and they were more popping them. But as it went on, you know, in the work, the body shots, and the pressure that Robinson was putting in. He started to dwindle, Kelly did, he started fatigue a bit, his reflexes weren't as sharp, his reactions weren't as quick, and his own counters weren't as accurate or as solid. And actually, even though it was messy work from Robinson, he was getting through more and more, having more success, and there was definitely a shift there. And, you know, it was, um, I actually thought Kelly had come back and, and, and won a couple of, or certainly won the last round to, 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 to steal it, but close fight, and uh, 
you know, he's, he's lucky really um, that he gets that kind of kick up the backside or whatever he needs to, whatever kick up the backside he's needed or is needed or whatever he needs to address without getting that loss on his record, you know, because it could have could have easily been that way. Yeah, it could. I mean, and again, I was I was doing online duty, so but but my perception, I've got to be honest, was that Robinson won that fight. Paul Wheeler, who's ringside for Boxing News as well, he actually scored it. He had he had Robinson three or four points up at the end, and you could see you could see that you could see how how, how he came to that conclusion. Yeah, well, I, and the, I wouldn't argue. I mean, I had Kelly, but yeah. I, I, you know, it was it was the work rate was coming from Robinson. Yeah. Kelly wasn't landing much more. Probably was landing less, but we landing harder, more accurate shots. But uh, like, it's one of those fights. I, I wouldn't argue with that. If, you, if someone said yeah. they'd Robinson, I'm, that would, yeah, I, I don't think that's a, you know, it was one of those fights that could have gone either way. And I think when you when you looked at that bill before it had all started, for me, that was the one where the alarm bells were ringing. Josh Kelly against against Ray Robinson. That it was a huge step up for Kelly. We expect a lot from Kelly. He's an exceptional talent. But Robinson has been around the block. He's been what you'd probably call something like a a world class gatekeeper for a number of years now. Um, and, and, and for Kelly to kind of come over here and, and go against and, and as you said there I thought Kelly looked, looked great in the first, first couple of rounds uh, but then when Robinson kind of figured it out Kelly and it, all it is is just a nod to inexperience then didn't really seem to, to know what to do with it once Robinson had figured him out um, it'll be a, a, a tremendous learning fight for Josh Kelly be interesting to see what he does next but perhaps and, and hindsight's a wonderful thing we can say that was perhaps a, a, a jump too high at this point Callum Smith, of course, got a good win, dispatched Hassan and Dam in, in really clinical, efficient style, which we expected him to do. I'm not trying to paper over the performance because he did absolutely what we thought he would do, but it's a measure of how good he is that when he delivered that, we weren't really surprised. Let's not pretend Hassan and Dam is a middleweight yeah, and look. he's had his best days, but that was the opponent they got for him. And then the chat afterwards was that they want to try and get Canelo uh, at Anfield. Now that would be amazing, but can yeah, you see that's that not going to happen? You know, he's well, Canelo's the star. Let's face it; he's not leaving Mexico or Vegas or, where, or wherever yeah. he wants to be, in, and Vegas really. If you know, Canelo fights Sanco de Mayo, he fights September on the Mexican uh, Independence Day, and that's that. <laughs> and everyone's dancing to his tune; he's calling the shots, and that's it. it. Doesn't matter what anyone thinks or wants or, or after that. But look, Callum Smith, in my opinion, uh, look, he, he, for me, he proved it. I, I knew. I knew he was really good. It sparred with him. We we're very close to all the Smith brothers, Paul, especially go back since we were fifteen. Um, so you know, I'd be one of his the big fans and someone that'd be look this and this kid Callum's the real deal. But I remember the George Groves fight, thinking, you know, George Groves because I'd gone against George a couple of times, and I just thought, you know, what? he's the real deal in it. George Groves, he's, he had a we say about a real career. He had his losses. He's, he's his own man. He's uh, he was a tough fight, but he. I, and I knew he could beat George Groves, but I didn't think he'd take him apart the way he did. It was a, it was a fantastic performance, and I think absolutely and rightly put himself as the number one in the division. And uh, someone like Hassan Adam, who who was a great middleweight, a good a good solid middleweight contender four or five years ago, was never going to pose too much problem no. for Callum. No, you, you, I, you know I feel a little bit sorry for Callum Smith in a way, in that he had the the most dominant performance of the evening. Uh, it was it was very very impressive. We, we've we've mentioned Gcam's limitations, uh, particularly in super middleweight and and with his age. Uh, but but Callum Smith did not put a put put a foot wrong, and he looked sensational. But but this performance kind of sandwiched between the the, the upset of the century and and, and 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 Taylor. You you kind of you almost you've almost forgotten about it. But what he did was 
was absolutely brilliant. And for what it's worth, I think he would be a tremendous opponent for Canelo. Whether he's going to get it at Anfield is is, an, is another matter entirely. But and whether Canelo really want does Canelo really want Callum Smith? Yo, I'm DK, co-host of the One Star Recruits podcast. My best friend Rip and I host five star athletes, celebs, business leaders, comedians, and coaches from around the world. Each week, I can guarantee you the show will always have great laughs, catch up on life's in relatable ways, and have a ton of fun. We're recruiting you. We are the one stars, which means we can ask the questions that no other podcast asks to guests like Joey Chestnut, Evander Holyfield, Bobby Hurley, Jenny Finch, Ryan Lochte, Montel Jordan. New guests every week, compelling interviews that you want to hear. Check us out wherever you get podcasts, One Star Recruits. Six foot four, massive puncher, up and way through what he doesn't need him, does he? I don't think anybody really needs someone like Callum Smith, to be honest. I mean, there was talk about Bivol dropping down to 168 or Callum going up to uh, to fight Gilberto Ramirez, who's moved up. We'll have to we'll have to wait and see on that score. Top of the show, first fight on was Tommy Call against Chris Algieri, and we always knew it was going to be a tough ask, but I think Tommy Coyle can be more than happy with his night's work because he got to Algeri in the second round. He really had his moment there. He had him going. I spoke to Algeri after the fight and said, you were really hurt then, weren't you? And he didn't pretend. He said, absolutely, I was. I was in trouble. I was backed up on the ropes. He caught me with a right hand, caught me with a left hand. But I thought, Jamie Moore, we shouldn't be surprised, but I thought Jamie Moore was was absolutely outstanding last night. We had a long chat with Dave Coldwell uh, on the podcast a few weeks ago about the duty of care of a trainer and the responsibility on a trainer to take the decision. You don't leave it to the fighter. You don't ask the fighter, are you okay to carry on? You take it out of his hands. And at the end of that round, where he was just catching punches the last 10, 15 seconds, as he walked back to the corner... I was beginning to think myself, Jamie might start to think about this, but he'd already made up his mind by that point, and he just told him, gently but firmly, no, this is over, and that's what you need from a trainer. Yeah, my, my amateur coach used to say, you should never be brave with someone else's body, you know, and it, you know, and the last thing a brave fighter needs is a brave cornerman, yeah. and, uh, and like I said, Jamie's not uh, faint-hearted or queasy, he's been in the trenches many times, you know, three fights of the year, uh, I can I can testify to that myself, <laughs> but um, you know it, it's uh, it was a compassionate stoppage. It, it, he loves Tommy Coyle, do you know what I mean? He really cares for him, and, and even if it was someone he didn't, or it was he, 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 James, that kind of guy anyway. You know, he'd be compassionate, he'd do the right thing, and you know, at that point in the fight, Tommy had gone out, he'd given it his best, he'd had success, the tide had turned, and he was starting to get beaten up a bit more, a, bit, a little bit more each round as it was going on and he was more tired he was getting hit more often and I thought it was the perfect time for the stoppage yeah and I think I think you, it would have been an even harder decision and an even better decision in that regard for uh, Jamie Moore in that how much Tommy was enjoying himself out in New York it meant the absolute world to him we all saw him get on the scales on, on Friday and it was like he was born again he was absolutely loving it. And, 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 and to, for Jamie Moore to stop it at exactly the right time, but knowing full well at that moment he was breaking Tommy Coyle's heart would have been exceptionally hard. And I've nothing but kudos for Jamie Moore for stopping it. Because as you said, at that point, it was exactly the right time yeah. to stop the fight. Yeah, massive respect for Jamie. 
Okay, so Carl Froch has just wandered over to join us. I'm not sure that microphone's working, actually. I've been trying to turn it on the last few seconds. Every now and again, you'll, you'll, you'll look at me and, and you'll see me gazing at this piece of kit in the same kind of way that the dog looks at its reflection because sometimes <laughs> I'm never really sure quite what's happening. But can you we'll test it? This, can you see if it's worked or not? It's, it's not happening. It's not happening. It's not happening. So you can, you can, you can share mine. You can, you can share mine. Um, so... <laughs> Anyway, um, we've been discuss- discussing the main event. What were your views on the whole thing, basically, on where it went wrong for Anthony Joshua, the manner of the performance, and what kind of a road back this will be for him? Well, I think, I think my, my first thoughts will be what most people's thoughts are, which is just shock. And um, just horror, really. I mean, I'm, I'm close to Rob McCracken. He, he coached me from a whole boxing career. And, and, you know, the magnitude of this defeat probably won't have sunk in yet to, to Rob or, or AJ, maybe on the flight home or, or say the next day you realise. So that the reality of it will be setting in soon. But when I watched it live yesterday, I was just amazed by what I was seeing. And um, when I say amazed, I was amazed by actually the performance that the solid performance that Ruiz put in because it was a good performance he could good good with his feet it was it was timing the counter very well he had a good defense good head movement he looked solid even though when even when he got caught he never did anything silly unlike Joshua when he when he caught Ruiz he actually went for a bit of a wild swing up and that's when he got clipped um so you've got to give Ruiz a lot of credit for what he did the way he conducted himself um, but on the flip side to that you've got to say AJ didn't really perform very well he didn't look right from the off Maybe that's give give Ruiz credit for that. Maybe he made him not look right from the off and not not feel right. When I say he didn't look right, he looked too relaxed. He was kind of nonchalantly walking around the ring, almost arrogantly. I mean, he's, he's very relaxed and cool and calm anyway. Josh, he doesn't really he doesn't really look nervous. I, I've always envied him for that because I was su- such a nervous fighter. But the nerves got me got me geared up for the fight. But just sitting on the ropes with his with his arms on the ropes, looking up at the big screen and just strutting around, almost like. I don't know, do, do you realise what you're in front of or do you realise how big this occasion is or are you just totally disrespecting the guy that, that stood in front of you that, that let's be honest, looks like a, looks like a bloody blancmange. <laughs> I mean, I don't want to be disrespectful to anybody because heavyweight boxing is different. I mean, I see it in the gyms all the time. My, my older brother's fighting now. I know it's totally different levels, but he looks like, a, he looks like an athlete. He's got a six-pack, he's got a good chest, good shoulders and um, he looks the part, but he spars with big lumps all the time. Like people that are older than him, that are heavier than him, and the big fat geezers, they push him around and bully him around the ring. They give him a great workout. So I understand that you can't look at Ruiz and say, look at the state of him, like everybody's going to be doing now on the, on the ruthless social media and the WhatsApps are circulating now. People are going to go in the pub, have a drink and eat a load of, eat a, eat a load of kebabs because you don't need to look good to, to, to perform. This is, this is our, it's going to be the long-running joke now. And it's, it's things like that where we're now to put ourselves in, try and empathise, put ourselves in Anthony Joshua's position and, and try and assess how he comes back from that loss, how he takes that on mentally, and is he going to make any changes to his team? I mean, he's got quite a big entourage. I don't think for one minute he, he, he will or should get rid of Rob McCracken because obviously McCracken's a great coach, but a coach can only do so much for you. You've got to do it yourself in that ring. You step through them ropes, the coach climbs down the steps, and you stay in between them ropes. So it's your job to perform. Um, I can't remember what the question was, but shock and horror and disbelief but what are you going to do this is heavyweight boxing and another thing Rob McCracken said to me last week when I spoke to him when I said what do you think about Ruiz and he says 
potentially a really tough fight. And I went, really? Are you sure? I mean, are you just saying, it's me you're talking to now. I'm not, I'm not interviewing you. I'm, I'm asking you honest opinion. He went, listen, Carl, it's heavyweight boxing. And one punch can change everything. Because the Ruiz ain't a bad fighter. Look at his amateur career. He's lost a handful of fights in a 120-fight career. And he's only lost one as a professional. And he's mixed it at a half-decent level for the current era. Having, losing a split decision um, against Joseph Parker. That's not a bad loss, especially a disputed one. So when you look at it, in hindsight, which is a wonderful thing, it's actually quite a tough, quite a tough guy, that Ruiz. And it was taken very lightly and not given the respect he deserves by, by everybody, including myself, because I thought it was a, a walkover job. But it just goes to show, doesn't it? It's, um, it's a fascinating sport, and that's why we love it. But what a fall from grace for AJ. And, um, you know, to lose to somebody who, who looks as aesthetically as, as bad as he does... That's going, to be the, that's going to be what people remember. And, you know, th- th- this is a guy that wears a Hugo Boss suit and looks like an Adonis and he's backed by Under Armour and Luke Said Sport and all the, commercial, the commercial aspect of it that's on his shoulders and the pressure that's on him now is going to be difficult, I think, to come back and hold his head high and be confident moving forward or certainly as confident as he was when he was un- undefeated. And um, Tyson Fury, I think, is going to have a field day. I know he's been quite gracious in his, in his comments but Deontay Wilder has been a bit less gracious but he's opened himself up now for a real shralicking off everybody because there's no there's no, not really any excuses he can come up with he, he got he got beaten by the better man on the night he was outboxed he was beaten to the punch he was counterpunched and when he was hurt he looked like a deer in the headlights he was lost and he didn't know what to do and I was quite shocked by that um, as I'm sure everybody else was yeah, absolutely. Uh, said that when he got hurt, he didn't know what to do. He, and, and, and even when he did get back to the corner, he was very panicked. You know, he was looking at Robert McCracken saying, you know, was looking, asking him what his, what's Ruby's going to do, what's he going to do, uh, which I thought was strange. Um, but look, you know, you saw, we all know social media nowadays is a very cruel place. And there's already pictures and videos going up. And, you know, it's, um, look... That's an expected backlash, yeah. and that's the, that's the world we're living in today. We go on social media, we're, we open ourselves up to this. People come into your lounge when you're sitting watching the television and, and call you a C-U-N-T, don't they? And you, you're sitting there thinking, hang on a minute, what, why, am I getting, why am I getting abused in my lounge? It's because I'm on, a, I'm on a social media platform. You're either on it or you're not. And if you don't want to get abused, don't go on it. And people don't want to go on there and give you much credit, especially on Twitter. They don't want to go on there and give you credit. It's, one of the, it's the haters I mean, that want to come out and have their voice and give their opinion. And um, you just have to accept that for what it is. And you shouldn't really let that affect I mean, I love it. I love the stick. I think it's great. People are talking about me. Yeah, a lot of the time, 90% of the time, it's jealousy, which means I'm a success. So keep talking about me. Keep hating me because um, keep, you keep fueling that fire. But, um, yeah. But, but Joshua, who's a, been a real sort of gold, Olympic gold medalist, world champion, poster boy, everyone loves, you know, he's never really had that stick. You're, you're kind of the guy. You don't give a fuck. But yeah, exactly. He, he, exactly. I don't know. Very if, thick if Joshua skin. will be as thick-skinned as that. It's how he comes back now, isn't it? It's fascinating. We're going to just sit back now and watch how this transpires, how it unfolds moving forward. Um, I'm sure he'll keep most of the same team around him. I think it'd be a massive shame if he thought... Because some fighters, they they look look to blame. First of all, it's it's shock. Then it's it's upset, anger. And then following on from that, it's what we're going to do about it. Let's let's blame somebody. Let's let's make make a change. AJ seems quite level-headed. He was very magnanimous in defeat. He spoke well yesterday. He don't seem like he's going to make a knee-jerk reaction on, on any of them things. But with the commercial value that he carries now, he's going to have to sit down with um, his manager or his team or whoever, whoever he sits down with. He's got quite a few people that work for him. And um, 
come, uh, have some kind of comeback game plan. Whether that's an immediate rematch with Ruiz, which I think would be a mistake, or whether that's um, maybe have, have a mark time fight and just keep building. Because he's still a big name, still a massive brand. He's still AJ, but that air of in- invincibility and that, that undefeated persona that he had Why do you think, why do you think an immediate rematch would be a mistake? I don't think it's a good fight for him. I think he struggled. I don't, I don't, I don't see... I know what he needs to do to change. Just get behind the jab, be sharp with that jab, and um, as, as Ruiz comes forward, meet him with a combination and then get off the centre with a tight defence. Don't leave your chin out to dry. Ruiz has got short levers, got short arms. He's like, he's got no reach advantage. He's got to do all the work to get in range. And AJ's a big puncher, solid, good boxer, got that amateur pedigree behind him. He's supposed to just take a little half step back and throw a combination. I boxed a guy called uh, Martha Abraham, and he was shorter than me, and he could bang. And I just boxed him, boxed and moved. I got Robert Kraken in the corner, just giving me instructions round after round. Double jab right hand, combination punching, but watch what comes back. Be ready for the counter, whether that's roll off and slip or just get behind the shoulder or get your gloves up, vertical forearms of the Ian in the amateur style, just get them gloves up, get them arms up. But it, it's, it's simple what he needs to do, but... Obviously, Ruiz probably wasn't given the um, the credit for how good he was. I mentioned his amateur career earlier, and his and his, his professional record is good. He's obviously a decent. I mean, fighter. if he did go into an immediate rematch with Ruiz, he'd be he'd be really under pressure to, to obviously to win. But I think he'd be under pressure to win and win well. And that's he? one of the reasons I don't think he should do it because I'm not saying he can't beat he can't beat Ruiz because he can beat Ruiz. Of course, he can. He's got all the physical attributes, but. The mind is, is the computer, the brain is what makes the body do what it's doing. And when the mind's not right, you can be as fit and as fast and as strong and as good as you want. You know what I mean? I can't beat my brother on the tennis court. I serve faster than him. I've got better forehand. My backhand's nice, nice chop. I can't beat him. He's my big brother and I cannot beat him. And I know it's a silly analogy, but I can't, beat a, I can't win a game of tennis. I can be five games up and I'll lose the set 7-5 because he's inside my head. And I think AJ now has got Ruiz in his head after that loss and going straight into an immediate rematch after a crushing defeat like that is, is the wrong thing to do unless he's 100% confident that he can come back and totally correct that wrong. Um, only he knows. I mean, I, I just wonder, I mean, you've both, you've both experienced losses in a, in a boxing ring, but I don't think either of you really have experienced anything quite as humbling as that. I mean, you, you, your first defeat was against Kessler. Very, very close fight. Um, how damaging is it to a boxer's psyche, firstly to lose their unbeaten record, but to lose it to somebody like Andy Ruiz? Yeah, well, like I said, I, we, we wouldn't really know. I mean, Matt lost to Sergio Martinez, one of the best pound-for-pound pound fighters. He lost to Triple G, Monster Puncher. Um, I lost to Kessler in a very close fight on points that a lot of people were saying, you know, you, you could have got that. It was, it was one of them defeats where you can go back and say, OK, I lost to a very, very good fighter there who looks the part, who's tough and strong and proven at world level. And it was close. So you can sort of, in your head, justify it. And I lost to Andre Ward, who's really hard to hit and he's very good at what he does. I'm not going to give Ward much credit because I'm, I'm not a fan of his style. I'm a, I like to watch good fights that, that excite me. I'd never rewind one of them fights, but that's another story. But I, I lost to Ward and I could say, well, Ward's not been beaten since he's 12 years old. He's actually very, very good at what he does and that's winning. Um, and I came back and then got the Butte win to kind of correct it all. But... AJ's lost to somebody that, that looks a physical wreck. And I'm not, I don't want to keep being horrible when I say that, but he's, he's short, he's got no reach, he's got a lot of excess body weight. He's, he's a fat geezer, let's be honest. And, um, you know, to lose to somebody who looks like that, 
when he looks back at the pictures and he looks at the show reels and looks at what how it unfolded, he'll be looking at that going, "Fucking hell, what went wrong there? How's, how has this happened?" And it's how he copes with that psychologically. And only he knows how that's going to be. I mean, I don't know him well enough as a person to know how whether he'll just brush that off or shrug it off. But um, yeah, it's a, it's it's a real tough one, and it's 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 one that I can't say that I've ever been. I've never felt how he's going to be feeling um, losing to someone like that because I've I've never lost to somebody that, that looks like that. I, I think it's definitely the manner of the feat. I mean, you know, I lost the fight early on to Andrew Facey. I thought I won the fight. It was a close fight. You know, I was only 20, 20 years old, twenty one years old, first ten rounder. You know, he'd been up a lot heavy. So, you know, cause, you know, bad night, bad opponent. Wasn't quite ready for it. Thought I won it anyway. Uh, Jamie Moore, you know, was uh, obviously a knockout defeat. Uh, but he was a grueler. It was one of those fights that, you know, I think it was it was a loss, but probably my stock went up in defeat. Stern, people thought I won. Most people thought I won the fight. I thought I won the fight. Uh, it was it was a world title. Um, you know, Sergio Martinez going into the 11th round. I was a round down on two cards, three up and one. So, again, it wasn't... Do you know what I mean? It was a loss that wasn't necessarily a massive setback. It was all maybe a, a step sideways as opposed to a step back. It, it, in that sense, in terms of where you go from here, of course the loss hurt and you're disappointed and everything. But you, for, I, I get what Carl's saying. You know, you got someone who Andy Joshua, so athletic and aesthetically, he's like a you know, it's unbelievable uh, the physique he's in, and then to to lose to Ruiz, someone that you, you said it earlier, Matt. Eh, no one. How many questions Eddie Hearn was that and Joshua answered? Not one of them was about, or maybe one or two of them was about Ruiz, the rest was about Wilder and where'd you go now and this and that. So it, it's a major loss. So I'm trying to, I'm, as I'm talking, I'm trying to think of a, a loss that's as, of that magnitude to, to try and find a, sim, a similar situation where someone has bounced back or, or, or hasn't, whatever that may be. But I, I can't think of a, such a, at such a level, such a such a catastrophic loss. Not not in recent times, anyway. It's interesting to hear Cole say that he doesn't feel that he should take Ruiz next, but he's going to have to, isn't he? I mean, the the marketplace he's in and the profile he's got. Would anybody accept or swallow on the business side, on the commercial side, on the TV side, him just taking a a rebuild fight? Would 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 anybody? go for that is it is it realistic i don't think so i don't think so and i and and, and, and I, I know exactly where carl's coming from uh, and explained it well what why he thinks that but also what you're saying there and the I, I think that's that's a massive factor i think if he, where he is as a you know a brand and as and, and as a, from a marketing point of view i think he kind of has to go straight back into the rematch it's the only chance he's got of regaining the reputation he had this time yesterday is to go straight back into a rematch. He said last night he's got no interest in any other fight bar Andy Ruiz. But sometimes, I mean, as, as Carl was talking about, Andy Ruiz is now in his head, whether he cares to admit it or not. In those darker moments, in those, in those moments where he's on his own, there'll be nothing but Andy Ruiz in his head. And <clears throat> we've seen it with, with, with David Price, for example, and I know that's a lot further down the levels. But David Price went straight into the immediate rematch with, with Tony Thompson. You could argue that that ruined his career. His chance of, of rehabilitation was, was, was robbed, really, by the fact that he went into that Tony Thompson fight. And I don't think he ever really recovered from that. Um, but then the flip side of that is you look at Lennox Lewis after he was knocked out by Hassim Rackman in five rounds. He went out in the rematch and looked better than ever and knocked him out in four. And his reputation was probably enhanced as, as, as a consequence. So... If we're looking at the positives, if Joshua goes out and looks sensational and knocks Andy Ruiz out in two or three rounds, 
then you could say it was a blip, but right now it looks so much more than a blip. The problem I've got with that comparison is Hasim Rahman can punch really hard. Lennox Lewis was at upper altitude, from what I remember, in, in South Africa. Yeah, I, yeah I And he got, he got caught with a silly overhand right, yeah. and he was flattened, and it was like, okay, one punch knockout, that's unlucky, that, that can happen. Um, you know, a punch from the gods, however you want to explain it. But Joshua was outboxed, and he was outthought, and outfought, he was counterpunched. He, he couldn't land a jab, really. He was struggling. I mean, he got a couple of shots off, but Rose was able to, to bounce back and counterpunch and finish the argument, even when he got caught. I mean, he climbed off the floor to then nail Joshua as Joshua went in for, for a sloppy finish. He went in for a, a wild chin in the air, left, right, left hook that went over the top of Ruiz and then walked into a left hook. So it was quite well beaten, quite badly beaten in, in a lot of areas where you could say, you know, that's, that's going to be difficult to correct. And to compare that with a one-punch knockout, um, like Lewis and Rahman it, it's a different a different kind of fight and a different script to be honest um, and the reason I agree with what you're saying the immediate rematch really is is almost the only way he's going to go should should go and the only justification would be to try and right the wrong but I'm just talking from a fighter's point of view you go in there and you lose such a crushing defeat like that to then go back in the gym imagine being Anthony Joshua going back in the gym getting up in the morning doing your runs with, with Ruiz on your mind and and then getting back into sparring and thinking, what did I do last time that, that's going to be different to what I'm doing this time? And what's going to work for me the next time that didn't work the first time? And Ruiz is going to be better. Ruiz is going to be coming more confidence, knowing that he can beat Josh, knowing he can hurt him. So Ruiz will come back better, and he'll be more confident. So it's going to be a really, really difficult, immediate comeback fight for AJ. Because we we'll keep saying about the aesthetics of, of Ruiz. He's actually not a bad boxer. He can fight a bit. Good amateur record. Only lost that one defeat for Parker. Looks at the looks of him aside, he's not a bad fighter. I could give him credit. I know. I think it, it's a tough rematch. It is a, there's no doubt. It, it, it's a tough fight, and uh, and and because of the, the demons that now and the, the mental scars going in, it, it, it's a who knows what's going to happen in it. But uh, but I think from a marketing moving forward on the brand point of view, it, it's it's the only thing to do really. And an immediate rematch, and another loss, two on the spin. That is the end. That is the end. Job done. So does he want to go down that route and take that risk? Um, the fans are going to want to see it, definitely. Either that or um, Tyson Fury or Wilder. I don't think that's going to happen. So maybe he's in this position now where he's going to have to just take that gamble and maybe get that immediate rematch. But from a, from a, if I was managing him and looking after him and I was training him, I'd say, look, listen, I know they say get straight back on the horse. But in this instance, I'd just get back in the ring, maybe get a win or two. He's young enough. He's got the backing. But it's like, it's like you say, Andy, other TV companies going to allow it. Other sponsors, other, other people are going to allow it. Maybe not. Maybe he's not entitled to a mark time fight now. He's, he's the biggest, baddest heavyweight on the planet. And um, he needs to prove that with an immediate rematch, potentially. I think it's going to be... It'll be interesting to see what happens to, to Andy Ruiz now as well. I think if we look back through, through history and you look at what's happened immediately after one of these guys has scored such a huge upset, it often doesn't go well for the guy that has scored the upset. Um, and we look at someone like James Braddock, he, after he beat Max Bear, he went on and lost his title. Go further ahead, Leon Spinks when he fought Muhammad Ali, the whole, the whole bonanza of being the world heavyweight champion, Leon Spinks was not the same again. Uh, James Buster Douglas was not the same again. Didn't end well for Hassim Rackman. Um, so Andy Ruiz, even though he's saying all the right things at the moment, he's also got he's also under a bit of pressure now. He was under no pressure whatsoever. So I think it's going to be really interesting to see what happens in the rematch. 
Well, as if by magic, some highlights of the fight are just springing up on ESPN away to our left-hand side and hot on the heels of showing the AJ stoppage. They're showing that famous scene in Tokyo where James Buster Douglas shocked the world at 42-1 to and beat Mike Tyson. Let's just finish off with a bit more of a, a chat about Ruiz and just about what an extraordinary night it was in general because Ruiz is now the unified heavyweight champion of the world and we're all talking about a rematch with, with Anthony Joshua. I saw Oscar De La Hoya tweet last night that the difference was the chins. And Andy Ruiz showed us last night that he's got a serious chin. Well, look, he, when, could, could he beat Deontay Wilder? I mean, I don't know. He, when he went down, he went down heavy. As in it was a big, big uppercut left hook combination. He, you know, he dropped heavy. But as soon as he hit the ground, and I was you know, a couple of metres away from the ring and I was looking, his eyes were perfect. They weren't glazed over. He knew exactly where he was. He hadn't... You know, that was completely different to when Joshua went down. He, he got up. His legs were shaky. Uh, that wasn't the case. Ruiz was solid. He, yeah, it was a good shot. He went down heavy, but he was okay, and he got straight up. He had a great chin up. That, but Deontay Wilder, I don't know, man. That man, I think that guy could knock a horse out of us here a couple of weeks ago, and he, he knocked out Dominic Brazil. I don't know he got up, but he was, he was gone, and Brazil's a big man. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think there's a photograph that's kind of doing the rounds as well this morning of, of a left hook that, that Joshua landed on, on Ruiz, and Ruiz is sweat spraying everywhere. And I don't think you can deny that. And this was, this was a concern that people were not really talking about going in, is how well can Andy Ruiz take a punch? We had absolutely zero evidence going in that he couldn't, none at all. And I think it's also interesting is that the only real barometer we had was his performance against Joseph Parker. When he pushed Joseph Parker really close, by the way, and a lot of people thought he won that fight, but he was saying in the lead-up to this he didn't really have a true training camp. What Ruiz had for this, with, with a Dimitrenko win in the interim, was a massive lead-up, and he showed a lot of people what he's about. Whether he can go in and beat Deontay Wilder, I don't know, but he's a very, all of a sudden he's a very, very interesting addition to what was already a very interesting division. And just in terms of the night itself... It was my first time at Madison Square Garden. Me and Matt Rabsey buzzing yesterday at the prospect of commentating at MSG and being involved in a night of World Championship heavyweight boxing. Joshua coming to America for the first time. And I still am off the back of that last night. It's not what we expected to see, but this is sport. This is what we're in it for. You see upsets. You see things that you don't expect. And boxing has this unrivaled ability to produce tales of the unexpected and people might think because of, of who we work for and we're Sky and he's a Sky fighter and all the rest of it that we'd be down about this but when you follow sport and you love sport you just want to see whoever deserves to win win whether that means they get the decision they deserve or they comprehensively win the fight which is what Ruiz did and he's a great story he's a brilliant story after that defeat against Parker he had quite a lot of time out of the ring and we probably thought that we would not hear from him again. But here he is this morning, unified heavyweight champion of the world. And he's very much a people's champion because, as Carl has been saying, people will look at Andy Ruiz and just think, if he can do it, so can I. Whatever it is that they're thinking of doing, that's what they'll think today. Unbelievable story. And it was a night of unbelievable drama from start to finish from the Tommy Coyle fight. Uh, you know, the Ray Robinson... Uh, Josh Kelly fight the Katie Taylor epic battle you know Callum Smith blowing the way in the dam <laughs> and obviously the best to last I mean what a what a a shock but MSG we've, it's been saying all week the macro box and the history that's steeped in well 
That was a historic night last night for whatever. No one will forget where they were. No one will forget having been in there. You know, it was uh, one of the, certainly the probably the biggest upset in boxing this century. And uh, like you say, <laughs> Madison Square Garden, it just seems to produce those kind of fights. Yeah, exactly. I mean, some people have said that the, the, the narrative about this fight is that we now don't get to see that super fight between Wilder and Joshua. And I, I kind of touched on it earlier, but the defining narrative of last night has to be what an incredible achievement by this little chubby everyman who showed people that anything is possible and showed the world what a glorious, unpredictable spectacle boxing can be at the highest level. It was, it was truly intoxicating to sit there and watch all that develop. Yeah, this will be looked back on for many, many years and... Uh with amazement and, and disbelief, but you believe it because you can see it. And like you said, Matt, there's been some great fights. The Katie Taylor fight was great. Um, Josh Kelly, I mean, I had my reservations about him and his style, and when he stepped it up in, in, in the level, and he, he got the draw last night and struggled quite badly um, against Ray Robinson, who looked quite slow and not a big puncher, and you know, he was leaving his chin out to dry, getting caught with clean shots, backing himself up onto the ropes in the corner. It's things you can't do at world level he's doing and he's not getting away with it because he got the draw last night I mean he should have probably got the loss to be honest the draw flattered him a little bit and done him a favour Katie Taylor fight I thought I didn't think she quite did enough to win maybe if I watch it back and score it correctly it might have been one of them that could go either way it certainly wasn't a daylight robbery or anything like that I just thought that the, the finish went against her that last round was a bad, a bad round for her and I think she, she, she probably didn't deserve to get her, her, her hand lifted at the end of it um, and then obviously the big one. Um, it was just amazing. Joshua Boatsy did well, and he, he he got he looked human for a change, didn't he? He got caught with some silly shots. Was was found wanting on some exchanges, and Perryban obviously well past his best, but capable to, to show us or or give um, Boatsy enough to realise. Actually, I'm not quite the finished article. I'm, I can't just step up to any of these top boys, Bivol, Beta Bev, and um, even Callum Callum Johnson. You wouldn't chuck him in with them guys now because you'd say, hang on a minute, you've got to learn your trade a little bit and, and you know, get some respect for the sport and realise that you're not quite there yet. Great fighter, Boatsy, so not giving him any stick. It was a good learning fight for him last night. It was a great night of boxing, capped off by the Ruiz performance, which was, which was just fascinating. Unbelievable. Actually, we, we even forgot about Boatsy in, in all of the, the talk, but uh, it was one of those nights where you'll, in years back, in 10, 20 years from now, you'll say, I was there. Absolutely, and I think that's a, a good place to finish it. It's been great fun, this, Matt. Thanks for, for coming down. You've been up all night writing, and you're probably having to get back to your laptop again now. Frotch hasn't had that much more sleep, that, but that's not for professional reasons. That's because he chose to go out last night late, but uh, that's his decision. He's an adult. He's a grown-up. <laughs> We've had a great time in New York. We really have had a tremendous time in New York. We've recorded a couple of podcasts with Thomas Hauser and Steve Farad as well, which will be coming your way before too long. This one we're going to get out early in the week because we thought it was important to provide some reaction to what was an absolutely epic night at Madison Square Garden. A review show is not our usual kind of pace, but in this instance we just had to do it. We had to do it because, as I say, it was an unforgettable night at Madison Square Garden. But we will be back soon with more. And give us a rate on iTunes. I almost forgot to say it. Give us a rate on iTunes. That helps people find us and that helps our rating in those iTunes charts. But we'll catch you again soon on Macklin's Take. Sports Social Podcast Network.